Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is a warning that the following podcast is rated MA and is not recommended for those who are easily offended or people under the age of 15. It may contain strong language and frank and open discussion about adult themes. Hello and welcome to the Osher Ginsberg podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thank you so much for being here. This show is a weekly conversation with someone that I find truly inspiring and hopefully it's a conversation that leaves you truly inspired as well. My goal on this show is to talk to guests that have a great story to tell or have achieved something remarkable in their lives and through their story... Stoke the fires in my belly and hopefully your belly too because I care about your belly. But if there was fire in your belly, it probably... Yeah, you know what I mean. Fire in the belly, you'll be fun. If you like what I'm doing here, if you don't like what I'm doing here, remember feedback. It's the greatest thing ever. A big shout out to... Oh, what's her name? I had it right here before. Leah Holmes. Thank you, Leah. Got in touch with me on Facebook to tell me things she didn't like about the show. I hope you like this one, Leah. I took your notes. I made some changes. Thank you very much. Uh, if you like the show, head to iTunes and subscribe. Please rate the show. Please comment about the show. Tell your mates about this. Even if you think it sucks, tell them. This guy thinks he's full of it. He makes a show. But honestly, if you don't think it sucks, please, the greatest thing you can do, let your mates know. Grab their phone off them. Show them how to use the podcast app or show them how to use Stitcher. Let them know about the show. That would be amazing if you could do that. Honestly, when I look at the downloads, when I look at the stats, I'm speechless at the thousands and thousands of downloads this show has already achieved. So, thank you, every single one of you that's listening right now. I, I'm so, so grateful. 20 years I've been in broadcasting. This is a show I've always dreamed of doing. Thank you so much for coming along for the ride. Your tweets, your Facebook messages about the show, a blessing in my day. Thank you so much. Please keep them coming. For more information about the podcast, osherginsberg.com or follow me on Twitter at... Osha Ginsburg. I'm sitting here in Venice, California. I'm drinking some tea. The sun's setting over the Pacific. The offshore's kicking in real hard. Let me tell you about my guest today. I've known this guy pretty much longer than anyone that I've been blood related to. I've known him since I was eight. He's a stand-up comic called Luke Heggie. We get into his remarkable story and how we know each other. And like the truly amazing thing about this man is that he's got like two university degrees. He's one of the smartest people I know. Um, And then one day he says, you know what, I'm going to give stand-up comedy a go, which I don't know if you know much about the economics of stand-up comedy, not the most lucrative of choices. Uh, He has one young child. He's got his wife is heavily pregnant with another. And he goes, right, that's it. I'm going to go stand-up. Three months later, he wins Triple J's Raw Comedy and he's off to Edinburgh. I've known this man my whole life, and it's just a truly incredible example of putting it out there and absolutely going for it with nothing to lose. I'm going to tell you right now, he's got a gig coming up at the Comedy Store in Sydney on Friday the 8th of November, 7pm, comedystore.com.au. Go and see this man, comedystore.com.au. It's the final show of the stand-up show that inspired the sitcom that 
we talk about in this show. He wrote a sitcom based on the stand-up show, comedystore.com.au. Go and book your tickets now. I really, really have to tell you, though, this show has some really full-on swearing in it. If you're offended by the word that rhymes with hunt and starts with a C, I'm serious. Like, don't listen to this show. Come back next week. Come back next week. I'll still be here. Well, another guest, and we won't say that word. It's in context of a story, but it's... Yeah, it's 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 really um, we swear a lot. We've always sworn a lot. That's how we grew up in Brisbane. Anyway, on with the show. Let's get the awesome toe hider metal intro happening. This week, my guest is Australian stand-up comic Luke Heggie. I've known this man longer than anyone that I'm not blood-related to. We talk about the dangers of being young men in Brisbane, near-death experiences in the Andes, driving 50,000 kilometres across America, swearing and scrabble, and how at 35, as a new father, with another baby on the way, Luke went from deciding to try out stand-up to winning Triple J's Raw Comedy less than three months later, starting a whole new career. If you're offended by words that start with C and rhyme with Hunt, I apologise in advance. You're the first person that I ever met that was deliberately funny. And how so? In Mrs. Sweep's grade three class, <laughs> yes. once you fell off the chair and we all laughed. That was, that, no, that, no, that was pretty funny. I think she asked a question. I'm trying to remember. You, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I was sitting two seats across from you. You were one row in front. And the question was, um, there's a plane. You're on it. It's crashing. Mm-hmm. The pilot jumps out. With a parachute, there's four people, but only three parachutes. What do you do? Yeah. And you put your hand up and said, I would stop off at the milk bar and pick up a packet of Lifesavers. Because <laughs> my life would need saving. <laughs> and well, that's assuming that I'd be the fourth person, I'd probably. I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember. I, I just, I, my mind was blown that you had... Seen the moment, seen the opportunity, put your hand up. Right. The whole That's, class was quiet. Yeah. And you had extrapolated a, an imaginary scenario where the crashing plane would stop mm. long enough so you could buy lifesavers and you made a play on the word lifesaver because yeah. your life would want it to be saving. <laughs> Meantime, I'm like busy picking my nose and eating snot. Yeah. Well, That's I about that. that was like the, I remember doing that. That's about my level of development mentally at the time. Yeah. I was thinking, who is this guy? <laughs> And that was you. And, uh, yeah, it's been all downhill from there. Well, I just sort of, you know, after that, I suppose, I've just sat on that, on the, on the glory of my very first joke for about 30 years before uh, doing another one. <laughs> I disagree. I disagree entirely. Um, but I'm very grateful that you're here today because I've known you longer than, except for my family, you are the longest person in my life. I've known you longer than anyone else in my life mm. that I'm not blood related to. Probably me too. There's no one else that I've known you, known for longer. No, that's a lot. That's thirty years. Uh, Thirty-one. Most of your listeners, you know, what are they? I've, I meet people now who are born after we finish school, high school, and they're out grabbing microphones. Yeah, high school. Yeah, grabbing microphones and telling jokes and stuff. And I, I mean, they're illegal to drink, go to jail, vote. Yep. And uh, you know, and I can't punch them. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it's, it, but it's okay. I'm you know I'm I'm grateful that I'm about to be forty. It, you know, I'm good. I feel happy about that. Yeah, because I'm stoked. But yeah, it does blow me away. Yeah, I I um I, I, now it's, I've only just started a few years ago hanging around with people younger than me through doing stand up, and you know they've got some balls. These young kids, they're all but they're all a solid fifteen years younger than me. Yeah. These people, and I don't think they really, you know, kids don't know anything about how old someone is. They don't really think about how old you are. It's just, you know, how long you've been doing comedy. You might as well be one year old or three years old or ten years old, however many years you've been doing comedy. That's all they care about. Or they count it like sobriety. Like you could be a yeah, 60, pretty much. Could be a 62-year-old man, but you're four. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, right. That's how it is. Wow, that's amazing. So I want to get, I totally want to get into, right into how you started Stand Up because it is one of the bravest, most interesting stories and it's a really inspirational story, which is what I really wanted you on today. Um, but there's so much, the thing that's different between you and those 18, 19 year olds is you have that many years of nearly dying in the mountains of South America and getting tear gassed in Bolivia and intense personal drama and and, and really, really tragic, mad tragedy that happened to you to draw on. And I think that's, you know, that's, I'd love to talk about that, you know, for a little while. And that um, particularly you were the first person as well that I knew that it was just, you were laser-like focused, like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go to New York, I'm going to go overseas. And I'd never known that you could do that. We grew up 800 metres from each other. Yeah. Which is how many feet? Six, eight, uh, three, 2,400 feet. Yeah. Half a mile. We grew up half a mile from each other. And all I knew was I was going to finish high school and uh, I don't know what And host some cracking parties. You knew that. Oh, yes. So. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's the right. kind where so, your mother would come in and trip over ankles and stuff, and you know, <clears throat> and make breakfast for us very kindly. My mum worked the overnight shift at the military hospital. Mum was bringing up the four of us boys without dad, and um, she would do an overnight shift Friday night to Saturday morning, or Saturday night to yeah. Sunday morning. And mm. if that happened, it was on. <laughs> it was yeah. on at my house. Oh yeah. It was it was great. It was just a you know bloody good place to go. It was you know everyone was on it. Even some of the cool kids from school wanted to come. Yeah, and we I was you know the, the strange muso fat kid in the yeah. corner, and um, we even had actual real women turn up, like live human females would show up. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. Me neither. So yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I think I had a girl. I had a girlfriend for a while. She she came along. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of a haze to me. Yeah, I was pretty hazy. Yeah. Because you were also, here's the other thing that people may not know about you. You're, you're far bigger than me now. You're t- taller than me. You're broader than me. You're much well built, more well built, well built than me. But you went oh, through yeah. the, pretty much all of primary school and high school being the smallest kid any of us knew. Yeah, yeah. I was five feet when I left school. So, you know, 16-year-olds were five feet and it's a bit weird. What was that like? Because we went to a big rugby school where everyone was just big and blah, blah. I could I could run far. I was could still smart mouth, but I had to run quite fast away from these people. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I got on all right. It was I was average. <laughs> but then you standard. Hit, then you hit university, and I just uh, that's when the great divide. We talked about this a bit the other night. That's when the great divide really started to just yawn open for me, and that I didn't really try that hard in school, so my grades reflected that quite yeah. accurately. Um, and I didn't get into university, but you all did, and because you studied your balls off and worked really hard, and. I would only see you guys on the weekends, yeah. but I would hear tales of what went on at the Queensland oh, really? University were... of Technology. But you could just go anyway. You could just go and hang out there. I think I did once. Really? I think I did. I turned up and just hung out yeah. in a lecture one time. Really? Yeah. What was the lecture? It was the big room, the big in B Block, yeah. in QUT. It's my old stomping ground. Yeah, and it was who when I finally got into university three years later, part-time, which I then dropped out of after six weeks, yeah. um, it was the cranky writing lecturer, precisely. And you went and studied, what was the first degree you did? Uh, business advertising. I mean, I, I don't know why I chose that, to be honest. I was, how old are you? Like 16 when you leave school in Queensland. So, uh, going on 17, I was. So, you know, how are you supposed to know what you want to do? I don't know. I kind of... I had a good time, had a nice time for three years, but uh, relatively useless so far in my life. And I don't see anyone looking at my degree and going, oh, I'll give him a job. Yeah, good one. And so then you travelled yes. uh, after that. Where was the first – because that was the thing that blew my mind, is that I didn't know that you could just travel at the time. It may seem ignorant to say now, but it just wasn't in my paradigm. It just You have big brothers that have gone and done it. Oh, yeah. What were you locked onto? What was your first, this is it, I'm saving money, I'm going here? Um, uh, Canada. I went to Canada and, and the US. So, yeah, North American trip, bought a car, slept in the back, cruised around, 
had a bloody good time. How many times it, did you drive back and forth across America? Oh, probably... I did about 50,000 kilometres, so maybe f- six. I don't know. It was sort of all over the place, but, yeah, I don't know. What cheap did you cheap learn? gas. What did you learn from that kind of trip? Oh, I, was, I was like 22. I, I, you know, probably should have planned it a bit better, but then, I don't know. I, was, I just had a nice time. I didn't even have maps and stuff. I was just cruising, just going. I'd pick up the odd, you know, tourist centre map, like a mud map to some tourist attraction, Alligator World or something, and just use that to get around. And, and f- I don't know, just sleeping in the back, having a good time, meeting people, and, you know, it was, it was great. Bloody good trip. And um, What was it like... Because I remember what it was like for me. What was it like when you came back to Brisbane for the first time after doing that? Uh, I didn't have such a good time. I, I've, you know, oh, it's it's tough. It's tough work coming back to anywhere after being away. I think, but especially for me coming back to Brisbane, where I, most of my friends couldn't have given a shit. Like some were really nice and really cool, and like show us your photos, tell us what you've been up to. But generally, people are in their lives; they couldn't care. You know that you've just wandered off for three years and you come back and. Oh, you're here. Yeah, okay. You know, and you le- they're exactly where you left them, at exactly the same seat in the same pub, for example, or in the same job doing the same things every weekend, which is fine, but uh, just the lack of interest in what you've been up to. It's, a, it's sort of a big thing, I reckon, post-travel depression in a way that uh, people fall into. Cause what drove me, without a doubt, it drove me out of B105 in Brisbane. What I did I got back from? Oh, okay. We'll get yeah. the trip that I went and met you at. That yes. later on yeah. you were living overseas. Yeah, um, that was on the same trip. Was that that, that trip? I hadn't been home. You yeah. hadn't been home. That was in England. So yeah. you you were living overseas in this colossal Downton Abbey house. There's no other yeah. way to put it. It was as big as the house of Downton Abbey. Yeah, you were one of the help. Yes, and I came and stayed with you in the in the helps quarters in the helps yeah, wing, and yeah. we hung out there for a while. And uh, it was then we went into London, and then you introduced me to a bunch of people that you'd met as a lifty in in Canada. Oh yeah, yeah. And I was just kind of exposed to what people are out. This is not Brisbane. This is yeah, wow, yeah. and it just blew my mind. And I got back to Brisbane at B one hundred and five. And the politics going on inside the studio and inside the station were just like, really? Yeah. And I'm doing the midnight to dawn shift. Yeah. Six nights a week. Just was it? Yeah, I remember actually because I started working when I got back to Brisbane. I was working two jobs to get more money, or maybe it was before my. And you were doing midnight till dawn. Yeah, that's right. And I was working midnight. I was working midnight till eight a.m. at Tele- Oh, that's right. You were the moderator. Tele Cafe. The um, you know, before the internet, before yeah. Tinder, before <laughs> adult friend finder, people would call up. What did they do? It was called Tele Cafe, and people would call up. There'd be a different line for men and women, and you'd ring up as a man and say, "Hi, you know, my name's Luke. I like long walks on the beach, romantic candlelit dinners. My favourite thing's lobster and reading books, and blah blah blah." And you, I'd, the moderator, who was me, would sit there and go, "Oh, he sounds not rude." Blah blah. There's eight like, re- like, about like eight the reasons. Girl's not going to wake up in a bathtub full of ice. Yeah. Oh no, no, not that. No, just um, like maybe eight different buttons I could press, saying, you know, uh, you took you're being too rude in your introduction or you're a man on the woman's line or you you know we suspect you're under 18 stuff like this um so i just uh, by law they had to have someone like me listening and it was fucking excellent (laughs) it was really good and you only get to listen to their introduction not um not the whole conversation but then whoever's on the other line would look through them and go blah 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 this guy oh this guy sounds nice i'll send him a message and they send messages back and forth that you know so many cents per minute and then wow eventually they have a conversation what a rort yeah Oh man! Because now that's all that's good. online. Now all that's like Facebook and Twitter well, yeah, and it's, a, it's, and it's people's lives. Okay, Cupid and all kinds of things. But people would just stay up all night and do this. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And I remember we used to call in. We did early phone pranks. We did yeah. early early phone sketches <laughs> when it was like <laughs> yeah. three in the morning. Yeah. And we're both awake. That's the, that's the only thing I could get me through the night. I was I was rooted. So I'd go straight from that to a bottle shop and work for, you know, eight hours and then go home and have sleep. Damn, you work, you're the hardest working man I've ever met. You work your balls off. Yeah, not so much anymore, but yeah, I did then, yeah. Come on, you really did. So I remember coming back from that trip with you and... You know, I was like, I'm hanging out with my friend in another country. This is amazing. Yeah. And I got back to Brisbane and was like, 
I've got to, I've got to move. This has got to stop. Yeah. I can't be here anymore. I have, to. and it really drove me. It drove me out of there. It drove me to Adelaide. Then I got to Adelaide, and I was like, oh, this is worse. But within six months of wheels down in Brisbane International Airport from that trip I had overseas with you, and then I was in Prague yeah. with my father. Within six months, I was on Channel V. Yeah. So uh, maybe it's. I mean, you can see it as a bit of a motivator. For me, every time I came home to Brisbane, I was just like, oh, I've got to fucking go overseas again. And just went, did that for 10 years. Came home for a couple of months here and there and worked and left again. And, yeah. You know. Did you, did you flip a master's in there at some point? Uh, that was before I went. That was a, um, oh, right. an honours degree, yeah. An honours degree, yeah. Before I left the first time, yeah. Yeah, right. So I was like, what's a fucking nine, 20? When I finished uni? Yeah, that's right, because you were you younger. Can't, you were you know, younger. Yeah. yeah. So you can't really, I don't know, you don't know anything about anything then. I didn't yeah, want right. a job. I got, I, just, a, I got a job. Well, I got a couple of jobs but where I had to wear a suit. And I haven't worn one since, I don't think. The odd funeral. But, I mean, you know, it was, it was horrible. And, and the, the, my defining moment in this was when I went to this meeting and all these proper adults, I still looked about 12, had, were having coffee and I was slurping down a milkshake in this meeting at a cafe and I thought, ah, oh, it's just not, you know. And they're all looking at me. So, yeah, <laughs> I just I get the fuck out and of And at what I, point, I always remember that, you as well, and I really have to thank you for this, you and... Michael Deuce were really instrumental in helping me lose a lot of weight. Yeah, you said this, but it's mostly you started but walking you, and stuff. You invited me out. You said, we're going to go do some sprint training in the park. Do you want to come? Mm. And exercise stopped being a thing that an angry man with a beard and a whistle was yelling at me to do and calling me horrible names, yeah. teasing me for being fat and my tummy wobbling. Yeah. Became something fun I could do at night time with my friends yeah. in the park. I dropped so much weight so fast with you guys. It was, it was good, this. Crazy. It was about two and a half months, three months we, yeah. we did it. Uh, Deuce and I used to do that a lot. Like, it wouldn't go all the time for years there. We were going. It was really good. And it's a good motivator having someone else to do it with, isn't it? That's yeah, yeah. It was, it was amazing. It really changed, it changed everything for me. Like, it was the, the, the path to, the path to, like, exercise, being relating exercise to something that I enjoyed. And if it was hard and I was out of breath and if it hurt, it wasn't, the pain wasn't related to discomfort. It was yeah. related to, oh, this means... Did you ever get assaulted by the um, PE teachers at school? Oh, um, I used to have this argument with... Uh, and she won't mind me saying this. Uh, we disagreed. My ex-wife and I disagreed on this. And that I was a right little prick yeah. in school. I was a mouthy little bastard. Mm. Um, and the one thing that really pulled me in line, there was not, nothing anyone could ever say that made me change my mind until, in fact, you were with me when it happened. Um, when I, I just, my, my loud mouth came out and just overtook my body and I said something really, really horrible and very, very mean. I'm yeah. grateful that I was able to then apologize to this man 10 years later. I went up to the mm. dean's office and I got myself a, thro- a, a, a walloping. Yeah. And that's when I went, oh, maybe being that kind of guy isn't going to serve me. But nothing yeah. else got, nothing else cut through because yeah. I was such a little prick. And yeah, you were. My ex, my ex <laughs> used to be like, you should never, ever, ever hit a kid. But I kept trying to tell her, you don't even understand. I, that was the only way to communicate with me. Yeah. But the, it, being able to filter that as an adult is pretty hard, I would think, if they can think, you know what? We've tried everything on this guy. We're going to hit him. No, I don't think that happens in these situations. They're like, I'm going to fucking hit kids because it's, you know, it's, it makes me feel good. You know? <laughs> he wasn't. He, he really just did not like doing it. He didn't enjoy it? No, not at all. Not a bit? Not a little bit? No, I don't think so. You reckon he didn't, you know, sit no, down, have no. a couple of Skittles and smile after he closed the door on you? No, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I don't think right. so. I think he was, genu- <laughs> he was genuinely remorseful that he had to do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, um, good on him then. Yeah, but God damn it. I, anyway, um, so at what point did cycling come into your life? I'm laying all this down because oh, okay. all this stuff is um, really important for when we get to the good bit. Right. Cycling, uh, I don't know. I, I bought a bike when I was about, my a very own first bike when I was about 18, I think. Just rode to uni and back and then just... Bloody nice way to get around cycling, and then um, got a racer and used to go up Mount Cuthar in Brisbane, which is the only hill in Brisbane. Yeah, and just thrash it every Saturday morning. Tried to get to a hundred one day, couldn't do it down the hill because you get a little speedo on your bike. Yeah. You got ninety six or something passing cars. I thought, ah, oh, it's fucking stupid. And then just thought, 
when I was traveling, I thought it'd be a nice way to get around. So I started touring. Well, the first big one was Tasmania, right? Yeah, yeah, Tasmania. This is like 2000, I think. Yeah, 2000, 2000. You rode your bicycle around Tasmania? Yes, yeah. This took maybe eight weeks, I think. Yeah. And then uh, after that, I took one to South America. Oh, and you did New Zealand first, didn't you? No, New Zealand was later. That was, yeah, a bit later. Um, Yeah, New Zealand, South America, and my wife and I took a tandem around France only, what, five years ago? Amazing. Yeah. This was amazing. This was a good trip. And it was in South America that, if I'm not mistaken, like you got there, you'd done all the planning, you and your mate had trained really hard, and like on the second day, your bikes got nicked. Oh, no, no, no. We We were about six weeks in. When they got nicked. But, yeah, it was still pretty early. But, uh, yeah, bikes got flogged. We'd already crossed the Andes twice, and it was, it was fucking hard. And it was, it was good. It was going well, but we are sort of... For the bike nerds listening, what kind of climbs, what kind of hills, what oh, kind of altitudes? I couldn't tell you. I, I don't know. It's not... Oh, man, I wish you had a Garmin ago. back then. Yeah, I wish I did too, but no, I just sort of did it. I just, you know, singlet and shorts, let's do it. And, uh... Yeah, so it, when the bikes got pinched, we thought, oh, we get new bikes, or we just just sort of trucked on with our bags, yeah. jumped on buses and, you know, did a lot of hiking and uh, mountain climbing and, you know, cruising around. It was good. You've done wild shit. You've had, like, crampons and ice picks, and you've done ice climbing and backcountry. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Not, I'm not a, you know, outdoorsman like some. But, but hang yeah. on, wasn't, didn't you tell me a story that you, you, you nearly died? You fell into a crevasse and you had to dig yourself out? What was that? Uh, that was in Ecuador. Which, does your ex, does your wife know this story? I don't know. I don't know. Can we tell it? Will she be upset to know this? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's you know, all's well that ends well. well what happened? Um, yeah, I went off like like most um, wise men into the mountains by myself without telling anyone. And uh, on like of a, Ecuador, yeah, yeah, <laughs> on like a five day hike. I thought this would be really nice. I'll just cruise around and you know, and it got so it was cold. And I got lost, you know, fairly immediately. Like after a day and a half, lost. I was lost for about another day and a half, which seemed like a long time. And I remember sleeping out, just going, oh, this could be trouble here. Like not like not like touching the void trouble because I wasn't you know vertical mountains or anything but it got pretty hard and I was just sort of I don't know I just started following a ridge then it got really uh, you just get yourself into trouble I think by yourself a little bit of panic but then I fell into this I didn't hurt myself but I was sort of going down this very steep hill and I fell into this like hole and just got stuck and I started this is you know I was in there for about probably probably two hours but it felt like a lot longer and I just ended up, I was just sitting there, you know. Made, so you, you pack on, I'm guessing, like you're wedged in? No, 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 it's just sort of down. I mean, I got my pack off and, you know, um, panicked, tried to get out, you know, scrambling for, I don't know, how long until I was exhausted. And then I uh, just sat down and, you know, sorted it out. How did you get out? Uh, I climbed out, but I, I sort of took my pack off, put a rope around it, and tied that to my foot, and sort of, you know, climbed up very carefully and slowly. It just kept coming in on me anyway. All this sort of loose, you know. But anyway, how terrifying! Got out and, and what, then uh, but, pulled the pack see, out. Something like me, I'd lose my fucking mind if I fell down that. I would, I would be the guy that panics himself to death. How did you keep calm? Um, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Do you remember a sense of calm coming over you? What would, what would the moment went? How did you switch from panic to sit down and sort yourself out? Probably a lot of swearing, just scream swearing, and then that's it. You just go, right, you know, I've got to fucking do this. So you, you know. open it out, you let, the, yeah, let, yeah. let it all out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like um, it's not like the guy who chewed his arm off. Did he chew his arm off? Cut. No, he, he cut his arm off with a pocket knife. It's nothing. It's not in the same league as this. Or Joe Simpson crawling out of a crevasse in in uh, in Peru like he did. You know, it's nothing like Johnny this. Cash did it too. Johnny Cash crawled into a cave and then crawled back out. Did he? Why? Because yeah. well, he was on heaps of drugs. Oh, okay. Well, he got lost in there. Yeah, he went. He was on heaps of drugs, and he was so ashamed of himself, he crawled way into a cave. Yeah. And then, in the darkness, heard that June Carter, he just felt June Carter was coming, and then he crawled back out of the cave, and she was waiting at the entrance of the cave for him. Oh, wow. He took, but he talks like he just basically crawled all the way into this cave and then sat down to die. Yeah. And he was in there for about, I don't know, a day, maybe. Wow. And he turned around and crawled back out. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow. Anyway. That's, 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 that's intense. So at, at which point did you meet the beautiful woman that is now your wife? Uh, we met in Ireland where I was, this is about 2000 as well, I think. No, 1999, 2000. Yeah. Um, she was there. She studied film in London and... Uh, among other things, she was French. We should point this out. Yeah, and delightful and beautiful. And oh, thank you. Yeah, she is. And she, and she was um, she was making a film in Dublin, and working in a restaurant pub, the same one I was working at. You know. Oh, can you tell the Kiefer Sutherland story? She was w- working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. What's that? Can you tell the Kiefer Sutherland story? Kiefer Sutherland. Where did I meet him? No, that was New Zealand. It was New Zealand? Yeah, he was making a film in New Zealand. Why was this? The story is that there's someone you know in New Zealand or was working there in New Zealand. He was coming in. He was making a film there and he was coming into the pub. Yeah, yeah. All the time. It came for weeks. Yeah. And the Irish guy that you were working with is not... uh, Like an Englishman and German and Irishman walking to a bar kind of punchline, but I'm afraid it's going to end up like that. And after five or so weeks, only then did someone realise to tell him... His name is Kiefer Sutherland, not Keith O'Sullivan. Oh, yes. <laughs> He'd have been calling him Keith the whole time. Right. Yeah. Keith O'Sullivan. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the, I mean, in Ireland, that, that's exactly the sort of thing they do. I used to think they were jokes until I went there. There's <laughs> a lot of, you know, the restaurant I worked in, there was a disabled toilet in it, but the only way to get to it, spiral staircase. And, it's, and I asked someone, I asked, the, you know, someone who's been there a long time, what's the, what's the deal with that? Oh, we've got to have one, you know. By law, we've got to have a disabled toilet down there. So, yeah, what's the, you know. The kind of, not only could you not get a wheelchair in the building, there are these massive st- sandstone stairs to get up there. And once you're in there, spiral stairs are going to, you know. Does it have all the handholds and everything that a disabled toilet has to have? I don't know, I didn't go in. But um, definitely, amazing, man. So, how can you not go into a career in stand-up with all this informing you? This is just this is insanity. But you travel all over the all over the world. You went to South America. You went down to Brazil. You went how far? How far north did you go? How far south did you go? Oh, furthest north I've been is Scotland, top of Scotland, and uh, further south Tasmania, I think. Oh no, New Zealand. Oh, bottom bottom of New Zealand. Zealand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so all the way down there. You've Fairly done. You've done a lot of this kind of stuff. You've you've come back to Australia with your now. I believe she was then your fiance. Well, no, 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 no. She's no, just, still your girlfriend. No, yeah, she followed you back. Yeah, um, you I, met her first trip she came here. Yeah, yeah. You stayed in my house. Yeah, I'll tell you the clincher. Well, when we were in Brisbane, because we went up to Brisbane because my mum's still there, and. Um, with some friends at the at the KT, Camel Tavern, where oh, I used to work. Yes. The KT boys were there. And one of my friends from there said to Emily, and she her English is excellent, but it was it wasn't as good as Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. As it is now. And one of them said to her, oh, while you're in Australia, is there anything you really want to do? And she said, yes, I want to play this game where you're on the grass and you roll balls, like with, how do you say, old cunts? (laughs) (laughs) That's what happens when you learn your English from Luke. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is that is brilliant. Yeah. That is so good. Oh, I totally glossed over the there was a good two years or a year and a half when we lived together and we played an inordinate oh, amount of Scrabble. Right. Yeah. 
with a with That's a slotted in there. That was yeah. We it was you, me, fun. and Bubble. We lived in Bondi, and yeah. we had a whiteboard on the wall. And yeah. our life just re- well, my life just revolved around Scrabble. That's I all play I did. Enough of it. That's all I did. And when, yeah, I couldn't play enough of it. So, yeah. Just every night. How many? I got games a trophy we, made. We had a, a little trophy. We had a scoreboard. We had a leaderboard. We had a best word. Yeah, it was just the most brilliant time because I'd just <laughs> broken up. You moved in right after that. And then I came back from somewhere, and yeah, we, yeah, yeah, it was good. You came and lived with us, and it, it, I was so grateful you were there because I was just devastated, heartbroken. You know, I'd been living with this girl for seven years, and it was over. And I was having these two great friends I've known for so long in my house, and so much Scrabble. Oh, it was a lot of Scrabble. Oh, it was, uh, it was a lot of beer drinking, too. And uh, do you remember going down to Scrabble Club? <gasps> How could I ever forget? Because right? we searched, we were looking for it. We got obsessed with the Stefan Fatsis book, Word Freak. That's right, yeah. And we were like, <laughs> there's, a comp- there's a competitive Scrabble? Let's go. I want to test myself. Yeah. And we went up to the Hakoa Club on O'Brien Street, Hall Street, yeah. in Bondi. And I remember, like, a triple was open, and the guy I was playing, uh, Leo was his name. Uh, he must have been in his 70s. And I had a triple open. I had an option to hook uh, into a W uh, and a hook, from, hook, hook a J down <laughs> and make a lot of money and make a lot of points. <laughs> and I, don't know, I, don't, I remember, like, what was I? Oh, what was I? I was turning something. Yeah, I was turning, like, ant into want. Yeah. All right? And the, the, the W, the J was on the triple or something like that. And I turned my rack over to you and I had J-E-W written on it. Ah, that's right. Yeah. And you just looked at me like, you looked at me like, if you do that, We've this is going to get bad yeah, yeah. in a hurry. Yeah. <laughs> because Don't do that because I'm winning. But in the book Word Freak, he, he addresses this a lot. He addresses oh, yeah. the use of words yeah. like this and like playing N-I-G-G-E-R against his black mate and his black mate going, Great, great play. Good word. Yeah, yeah. And that it, well, if it's on the board, it doesn't. It's totally fine to yeah. use those kind of words on the board because it's just a word. But remember that point. The eyes. You, you looked at me. They're like, don't, don't. This is gonna. <laughs> this will be bad if you if you let it down. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I better not. I had. I, I played a friend's mum once, and uh, this is Deuce's mum, and she she said, I, I went down there for dinner. Once and her and her husband were there, and she said, "Oh, you play Scrabble." Someone had got round to Scrabble. She goes, "I'm great at Scrabble." Yes, and she didn't like it. Yes. And at one point, I had the perfect opportunity to play a rude word, and I thought, "You know what?" Um, I ended up playing tunic. Which I, I still I still think about this sometimes and think, you weak loser, just you know, just do it. I just I should have just done it. You could have put down cunt. Yeah. Oh. But I didn't. I chickened we, out. We had extra. I think on our board we had extra points. If you, it was a house rule that if you were counting, if you could put a bingo down, no, nah, it had to be uh, C U N T. Oh yeah. <laughs> Like if you could have put a bingo, you had to forego the extra 50 points. There isn't one bingo that contains that, I don't think. I wouldn't have thought. There's, it's not a verb with an ING or anything on it. I've used it as a verb. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think you'll find it in the Scrabble official dictionary. Well, bring it up. Bring up Chambers. We'll, we'll see what's happening. So this is all served to get us to the point where you're in Sydney. You've, if I'm not mistaken... Kid number one is on the way, or kid number one's arrived Ooh, when you go New Year's and you go this. Oh, right, no, I'd already had it. Yeah, Colette was born in 2008, so yes, yeah, it's just like you know, nearly two. So nearly two, and it was what it was a New Year's Yellow Day, it was a New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve, what happened? My mum was, was down. Oh, mum was down, we're just having dinner, and she said, What are you gonna do this year? Well, give stand up a go, I think. She said, oh, okay, well, I'll see you on TV by the end of the year. I said, yeah, good one, Mum. She, you know. Elaine Heggie, the prophecy speaks. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Elaine, who, when she comes to gigs, a little uh, hard of hearing, she gets a script from me of the jokes that are going to be told. Very clean. I could see it. It's, it's Christian comedy. <laughs> For her? <laughs> yeah. As far as she's concerned. <laughs> all, all great puns and word plays that appeal to the sensibilities of a 70-year-old. And, uh, yeah, 
So this is this is what blows me away about you. It's like you've you've worked a lot of jobs in your life, and all of these informed they informed your first show, Master of None. Yeah. Uh, you've worked a lot of construction, you've worked hospitality, you've worked, as you said, in suits and ties. Mm. Um, but on New Year's Eve, you went, I'm going to go and give stand-up a go. And what was your very first gig? Uh, I went in Triple J's Raw Comedy. That was your first gig, was the heat yeah. of Triple J's Raw Comedy, which for people listening overseas is uh, Triple J is the national youth radio station here in Australia, and uh, it, it, it serves an enormous cultural purpose, and I'm very, very grateful. Mm. I miss it a lot when I'm not in Australia. And they each year have a, a comedy competition called Raw Comedy where they in, in, you know endeavour to find the next great Australian stand-up. Yeah. And so your first ever gig, standing on stage, telling jokes, was for the heat of this competition. Yeah. I absolutely shit myself too. Like I had no idea that, you know, I'd feel like this. Plus, I'd practised in the afternoon in front of my wife and she just sat on the couch staring at me. So I haven't done that since. It's a bloody mistake. Never tell jokes to one person. Who's English as a second language. Yeah. It's, that was, I just thought, what have I done? And I'd already told a few people to come, so I had friends coming. I, Josh coming along and, and Lauren and uh, oh, a bunch of friends were coming to support. And backstage I thought, oh, oh if they weren't here, I'd just, just walk out. It was, it was really nerve-wracking. And the worst part was these other young little pricks, they weren't nervous at all. They were just chatting about other stuff. And I was like, you know, I was, it was horrible. How old and then up there shaking. 35. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know. I, I should, have, should have known better. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it was very, what very confronting. That? Just the fact that you had mates in the crowd? Uh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, I thought, oh, I'm here now. I've, you know, done all this. I've written, you know, 20 jokes. I'll get up and tell them. See how it goes. And it went great, which was good. Because I mean, if, if it had gone shit, that would have been it. You crushed. Yeah. Yeah, it went really well. And then, then what happened? Oh, then they had all these other rounds and shit, and then I won the whole thing, which was great. So you went down to Melbourne? Unusually, I think, because uh, I don't know. I don't think you'd see too many 35-year-olds telling jokes winning this sort of thing. They do prefer to find the next, you know, challenging comic or someone who's um, doing something that, that pushes the boundaries of comedy sort of you thing. It's were, this kind of place. In my, in my opinion, you were pushing the boundaries of comedy because at the time, the material you turned up with, which was, f- how long was it? Five minutes? Five minutes, Of yeah. just the battle of the Somme one-liners, just destroying yeah. one-liners, was so far beyond the long and twisted stories of my flat in Newtown that smells like bong water. And oh, yeah, and yeah. And you were just like, bang, bang, bang. It was yeah. relentless listening. Go and find that heat. It's online. You can go and find the, the, the final that you did. Uh, how did it feel to have this – you got a standing O. People went nuts for you. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah, it went great. How did it, it was feel? good. Really good. I mean, you know, I never set out to be loved like some mentors who start stand-up do. <laughs> I just don't, you know, I just, it, it wasn't something I've really thought through. Um, but yeah, it's good. And it still feels good when people like your stuff. It's really good. Um, and alternately, it's horrible when they openly hate you. Like a crowd will just not hate you. That's that's harsh. But, you know, just not get into it or not yeah. not be interested at all and just think you're a bit of a dick. It's not very nice. But, um, you know. You're like, fuck you. I crawled out of a hole in Ecuador. What well, have you got? No, not really. I mean, I still, I still feel I had a shocking gig a couple of nights ago that I told you about. And I just, you know, 30 full minutes of silence is enough to crack most comics, I think. <laughs> and you just, I just walked off and just kept walking. I said, oh, I've, you know, I better go. <laughs> just <laughs> well, I've had I've done gigs like that where you just walk out the door, you say something, you walk off stage, you pick up your stuff, and you just you don't yeah. ever break step. You say thanks to whoever brought you, and you keep walking. Yeah, I, could, I couldn't even do that. I didn't even find the lady who booked me, so I just left. I thought oh, I'm not getting paid for this. I'll... But it blows me away that you did something so brave. And how many months after you said, "This is it, I'm going to go do this thing," that you won it? Uh three months. It's amazing. Yeah, you're incredible. 
I had no idea though that, like, I, I turned up and I thought everyone, it's everyone's first time. That's why I thought, why are these little bastards not nervous? But they, I'm, you know, a lot of them have been comics for a few years, sort of thing. And um, I just assumed it was everyone's first ever time. Yeah. And I was also surprised there were so fucking many of them. I was yeah. like, all of these people are doing comedy for the first time. It's incredible. I, had no, I hadn't really gone to many gigs before I started. So I just thought, I had no idea. The, the extent of people wanting to be comics, the extent of people who are comics, how many good comics are out there that you never hear of, this sort of thing. I had no no concept of this. You're probably but, uh, now I do. Best. I am one. Oh yeah, you yeah. are indeed. You yeah. are. You truly are. Um, so that the prize for winning Triple J's Royal Comedy is a berth in Edinburgh. Yeah, at the yeah. Fringe Festival, and I believe cycling comes into this once again. Um, yeah, I went over there, bought a bike, and. Uh, road out to the uh campground every night after the gig i i ended up supporting i'm doing like 10 or 15 minutes at the front of the nelson twins show over there in 2010 and it was that was tough like the you know 23 hours and 45 minutes per day really nice had a great time but on stage it was fucked like they that was open hatred and big burly scotsman at midnight with three beers because you know they don't want to get up in the middle of the show will just folded arms stare at me and it, it was it was a hot little room and it was shit and they just hated me and <clears throat> you know and I was, I'm a shit opening act, especially, if, you know, I'd only done about five gigs in Australia. So, I, you know, as an opening act, I was shit for them. And I f- still feel bad about this, just opening up the show with 15 minutes of, you know, people hating <laughs> the experience before the headline act come on, I'm, wow. you know. And even now, I've, I've, I don't MC and I'm, I'm shit at geeing up a crowd. I just don't do it. I don't bother with it and I never have. But, um, yeah, it didn't go so well there but you know i had a great time i was still very good friends with the twins so great blokes and good comics and um but surely you know, it informed what happened when you came back to australia sorry it informed what happened when you came back to australia surely what do you mean that you came back after that and went right here's what i'm gonna do now oh uh, yeah i just i thought here's what i'm not gonna I'm do drinking a lot of tea when Go i go back to um oh yeah a lot of you know, a lot of tea it's good i like it can you hear it when you when you play it back all the slurping I don't know. I feel like, <laughs> sorry, I just totally interrupted you. So when you came back, what did you, uh, you know, what were your thoughts after that? After doing, it was like a month, wasn't it? You were over there. Yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a full month away. And just you know, but as long as you'd been away from your kid at that point. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then I had another one born a couple of weeks after I got back. So, so you went overseas with your wife, heavily pregnant. Yeah, to go yeah. And sleep in a campsite. Yeah, ride a bicycle. 25k or something yeah it was a fair way but then uh, after about 10 days or so the the boys um told me just to move into their place Uh they'd hired an apartment so i pitched my tent in the lounge room in fact it's like a little room and uh yeah it's good it was literally pitched my tent not metaphorically that's what you filthy thinking but um yeah and then because somebody this is the thing that so many men would not have the balls I have one to leave child, a pregnant wife. One I mean, child. I have a kid on the way. I'm going to be overseas for a month. Yeah, making support band money. Well, no money. Yeah, exactly. Is, yeah, and not be able to work. But I'm going to go do this. And unbelievable of Emily for like, yeah, go for it. Well, yeah, it's, it, it was talking about this the other day. You can't do this sort of shit without supportive spouse like you know i don't i don't know many other comics who are doing it at my level with kids but there are a few actually there's a couple in sydney andrew barnett's one he's an amazing comic and um sean woodland another one but they have kids and are doing the hard work and it's bloody hard and it's like a you know it's a second job thing with kids in the house and if you don't have a supportive wife or husband um there's no way you can do it you're right like I, you know and she she believes more than i do that i can be a comic but you know <laughs> i don't worry i said i certainly believe it you, you don't have to, anything to worry about so you've been doing this for now you're you're a big big boy you're now yeah. three yeah yes. <laughs> yeah what's different now uh difference now I'm, I'm starting to get a few more people have faith in me as a headliner which I'm, I'm getting more and more headline gigs. I'm off to Adelaide in a couple of days to do some a run of headline gigs, which is nice. Um, you spend a lot of time in the, in the wings, like supporting 
people and and you know it is a sweet spot because you just get to go out for your 20 minutes and just smash it up and walk off and you know it's a lot it's harder as a headliner i think but um you know it's part of the hierarchy thing i'm climbing it and i think slowly other people think quickly but you know there's no fast or slow it's how how you're perceived is how you're allowed to um progress i suppose what advantages do you think that you've got over the younger blokes besides the fact that i don't know you've been stuck in a hole in ecuador and it takes a lot to frighten you i they've got advantages in that they've got a shitload of spare time but when like as in most things when you've got less spare time you use it very well and i don't have time to smoke bongs and and eat cocoa pops and live in a basement and play video games and shit all day and then do a gig at night sort of thing i i do less gigging i think than most but um an advantage i suppose is that i see time as very precious and i'm either writing jokes or i'm out testing them or i'm doing gigs where i get paid and i'm doing jokes and i work sort of thing an advantage i suppose i might have is being slightly different in that i don't have jokes that have the word hashtag in them um and and you know there's some very good ones but it's not my thing i I never got into i I don't have any generation y related material so oh the generation y material you do have is generally from my experience of saying your set is directed directly at them yeah i know and saying that they're a bunch of clowns yeah so this uh, (laughs) some people might see this as a as not a smart move but yeah and they're probably right but uh it's a joke they can it's great they can joke. take it it's, it's can, a great it's, i really like, <laughs> i really like it as a joke i think it's excellent but you're you're on the verge of of in another episode of of greatness you've teamed up with uh with cam knight who's oh, a, yes. a very well-known australian uh comic he's an excellent mc he was on the comedy he's channel. amazing he's an amazing comic this guy he's on the comedy channel for a long time um and you guys have written a sitcom. Yeah, we have. Does anyone want it? <laughs> well, this is a thing, is you know, which I love that you've just gone, oh, yeah, I write a sitcom. Yeah. And you sent it to me and I'm like, holy shit, you've really written a sitcom. This yeah. This is really good. Let's, oh, thanks. Let's, let's make it. And it's based on your uh, time working in a bottle shop in Brisbane. Yeah. In Bill Bowery, Bill Bowery Cellars, oh, still there, st- done by floods, whatever, it'll come back, <laughs> they still come, <laughs> so, I don't know about many of the same people, I'd love to sit there for a day, see if any of the same people come in, because this is a solid 20 years ago. I don't know if they're still alive. Oh, no, probably not, although, you know, the types, there's some who, mate, bloody bottle of bean lead rum didn't need me any harm. My dad was 106. He had a bottle every day since he was seven. You know, that sort of guy. There are some of them who slip through the net. (laughs) (laughs) The the calcified fat uh, on their stomachs just drooping down closer to their knees every day. (laughs) Those blokes. Yeah. How do they live? Uh, Well, you know, badly from what I can see. Right. Because the thing that's remarkable about when when I listen to you and anyone that's seen you do stand-up is that you're very – your education and and – you come across as because you spend you work in construction you do a lot of work in construction so yeah. so you rub shoulder your shoulder to shoulder with you're an every man yeah and the language of your stand up is definitely as if you're talking to the guys on the site yeah but informed through the mind of a man who's done many years in university and driven yeah. fifty thousand k's across America and well it's nice if you say that I mean it's hard it's a difficult line to tread if you if you're into words and you you love scrabble and you read the dictionary and stuff like this like I do you don't want to I don't want to dumb anything down but you cannot <clears throat> I think for me anyway I can't just shove too many big words into a story that relates to vandalizing something like it's you know even though that can be funny if people don't understand it there's no point you are into public disobedience so i've been involved in a few episodes of public disobedience yeah. with you yeah <laughs> do you remember when i uh, uh have we got time are we, are yeah, we Brody, to... we've got ages oh, okay um do you remember when I, I used to work in this chinese restaurant out at jindalee in in brisbane and one day i've come out the back i was, I was like 17 and i was washing up and there was in the rubbish area a carton, like a, you know, one of those ones with the twenty-five trays in a of big eggs. Of eggs. So there's like more than a hundred and fifty in this, 
And I just, I remember going, getting on the phone to our friend Miles in the in the restaurant. I said, I've got to use the phone, it's an emergency. Call Miles, so you've got to pick me up. I'm not, you know, not riding my bike home with this. And he picked me up and it was one of the best nights. <laughs> Still right up there. It was it was who, who, really good. Who, uh, like what kind of targets? Ah, oh, you know. We were seventeen. The usual, yeah, man. Just, uh, <laughs> I think about I think about some of those things that we used to get up to and hanging out of that Seven Eleven in Sherwood, and just like, man, I'm really grateful I grew up. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, I've been egged as an adult, and it's really funny. Like, a, <laughs> you can you can you can talk about how bad it is, and it is. It's not nice at all, but you can't deny that it's fun, and. That's what these kids do, and we did, and it was bloody fun. We didn't. Here's the thing. Well, I don't know me. I had no idea any drug except marijuana. Even mm. then, I didn't know who to buy it off. I, yeah. I didn't know how to talk to girls. I didn't know any girls. Yeah. Uh, that weren't my ex girlfriend who didn't want to talk. We were talking about this the other day because growing up with brothers and in all boys schools for a solid, you know, eight years after, after you know, grade three or four or so. Eight years of, of solid all boys, mostly men teachers, booting you up the ass, bloody all brothers. What do you, you come out at 17? What do you do? And I, like, I think, you know, I remember talking to other guys who went to co ed schools and stuff like that. They spent the years 18, 19, 20 just rooting up a storm. Oh, yeah. And I was like 18, 19, 20, just kind of like afraid of everything. And I didn't know how to talk to girls. And yeah. And what am I going to do on the weekend? I'm going to hang out with seven men, yeah. drink a carton of beer, and yeah. go and do something naughty. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's all I knew. Yeah. That was it. Oh, my God. I think about now, I think about some of the. I, I won't say whose it was. Uh, but I remember being in the back seat of an airborne Mazda 626. Oh, yeah. We can't say his name. <laughs> out the back of a suburb I won't mention. And just thinking. Yeah. We were in the air when I saw the headlights on the other side of the road oh, coming word. at us. I, was, I wasn't there for that. Oh, dear God. Oh, it's, yeah. How, how, I remember telling. My ex-wife, like, you don't understand how dangerous it is to be a man in Australia under 25. Oh, yeah. You just do stupid shit because you're with friends, you're with guys. Who, or Like, it's that famous joke, what's a redneck's last words? Hey, y'all, watch this. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was that. Yeah. And how we didn't injure us, it was injuries, it's most definitely injuries. How we didn't end up way more damaged, I've got yeah. no idea. Um, you've written one book. Oh, yeah. Yep. Excellent man. Yeah. Uh, you've written this sitcom. Mm. You're about to turn around and you're doing another festival show? Yeah. I'm, I've sort of half written my new show. You're writing a new show every year. It's intense, man. Yeah. I mean, to the layman, it doesn't sound like much. Just an hour of stand-up a year, but it's an awful lot. When, when they think, oh, you just stand there for an hour and talk. I talk for, you know, five hours a day. I'm, I could do that. It's, you fucking couldn't. It's hard. It's really hard. And I was the same. When I started, I saw comics doing the same shit they were doing a month earlier. I thought, if, what? Some of these people must have heard this before. What are you doing? But, you know... You can do the same shit forever if you mm. want. And if it's good, it'll stand up. And the audience change. You don't realise this. Mm. But, um, yeah, I'm sort of committed to doing festivals and new hour a year. has a lot of Aussie comics too. And you, that keeps the blade sharp? Uh, yes and no. It's, it's like if I didn't have to go to work for 40 hours a week, it would be easy. Not easy. It would be a lot easier to do. But um, for me, it's a bit much to try and write that much quality. Like it's, you know, it's a solid. For me, at the pace I go, it's about, I think, 8,000 words. And to write 8,000 words, all funny, it's bloody hard. And people don't possibly understand what it is. When you tell a joke, every syllable, every word, the weight of every sentence is carefully measured. And road tested and rewritten and rewritten and rewritten and rewritten. Yeah. It's like taking a matchstick into sandstone and just going and going until there's a groove. Yeah. I mean, not, not everyone has And then has you've got to remember it. Well, yeah. But once I think it's easier to remember something if you've written it yourself and then rewritten it and done all that stuff, you know, get it in your head, which is you, you still, you've got to be sharp to get it all in order. 
the first first time you do your full show, it's, it's pretty hard. But uh, yeah, who's the best? Who's the best stand up in Australia today? Ooh, that's a tough. That's a tough question. My, mine. Like if people have got their hard-earned cash, they're like, you know what? I want to go see something other than a movie. I, I want to go. Let's go see someone be funny. Who's, um, value, who's the best value for money? Uh, I really like Chris Winehouse, who, you know, a lot of your listeners maybe never have heard of. He's been around a long time. He's, he's fucking amazing. He's a, he's a Sydney comic. He just does the job. He's bloody good. And I, I hang around with mostly Sydney comics. I don't know that many others because I don't go travelling that much. But um, he and Jacques Barrett another one of my favourites. I think he's amazing. But again, you know, he's not a TV comic. But uh, value for money in their price bracket, Yeah, they're the two I'd What I'd does it mean see. for a comic? I was looking at, I had a meeting the other day and we were looking at, uh, like Carl Barron's got like 650,000 Facebook friends. Yeah. But what is the value for, which is what you're doing now, you're writing a sitcom because you want to get on TV. What's the value for a comic there? I don't think now that's such a thing to get a spot on TV, but to get your mug on TV any way you can, I suppose, is it's all going to help. Yeah. But um, so you got to be in there regularly, and you got to stay in people's minds. You yeah, can't just yeah. do one spot and people go, oh, "That was great," you know. Because now people just watch shit on YouTube. So, but that's it now, isn't it? That's mm. that's that's where stand up lives. Yeah. It really does. I can get stuck in a vortex on YouTube. Just go, oh, watch this guy. I haven't, you know, seen what he's up to for a while. And then down the side, it's got all related stuff. And three hours later, you're still watching stand-up, which is not, I don't know, it's not the ideal place to watch it. It's much better to go out live, but you can't always get out. Is it like listening to, I don't know, if you're in a band and you listen to 70,000 different songs? Like, there's only so many ways that you can tell a certain joke, certainly if it's topical. Yeah. Like, did you find, because, like, for me, doing this show, The Bachelor in Australia, yeah. I watched one episode of the US version. Right. Because I didn't want to have my delivery and my, the way I interpreted the job to be uh, polluted by or copy of what this bloke was doing. Okay. And yeah. I, and I wanted to, so I could be <clears throat> sure that it was my voice. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I, I watch a, I watch a bit, not as much as yeah. evidently a lot of blokes watch. But um, yeah, I watch a bit. There's a, there's a lot of guys out there who know every joke that's ever been told. Yeah, and this to me is amazing. Have you ever accidentally said a joke that someone else has said, and then someone's going, "Oi, that's my joke." No, I've been close where someone has said, "You know, you know what? That joke's very similar to a joke I have about this." I'm going, "Oh shit, sorry. I just uh-huh. had no idea. I won't do it again." It's kind of the unwritten <clears> rule <throat> that you just don't show it in other people's territory with that, isn't it? Yeah, I would think so. But I mean, I I, I don't do topical yeah. stuff, so you're quite safe there. Reasonably, but you know, some word jokes. Someone, someone thinks of it, and I think a lot of there's a lot of accusations fly around about people stealing shit, and and people do sideswipe other people's material. But a lot of it will be subconscious. If you're sitting in a gig and you've seen something, or you know, you've thought the same thing on the same day as someone else about the political news of the day, then it's not. Yeah, it's just. Uh, I'm so grateful that you sat down with me. I've wanted to do this for I can't tell you how long. Yeah, me too. It's, it's so amazing. And the fact that you've manifested the destiny of, I'm going to be a stand-up. And then three months later, you win Triple J Real Comedy. The fact that you're like, I'm going to write a sitcom. Yeah. People are going to be surprised. Oh, well, maybe. I don't know. Hopefully we get it out there. Stop being so, stop being so damn humble. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. <laughs> At Luke Heggie on Twitter. Go and find him. Go follow him. Um, find him on YouTube. And when he's in your town, go and see him because you'll never want to drink bourbon again. see you later man thank you thank you thanks for having me there he is Luke Heggie book tickets to his show comedystore.com.au Friday the 8th of November in Sydney at Moore Park Um, one of the best comedy probably the best comedy room in Australia hands down comedystore.com.au follow him on Twitter at Luke Heggie find out when he's near you and what is it that you want to do what is it that you've just have... I've always wanted to try that. You saw what happened to Luke when he said, I've wanted to try this, and he applied himself and he did it. So think about that. What's something you could do? Make it happen. That's all he did. I watched him do it. And all he did was just one extra thing every day, and then 
success came his way. Who'd have thought it was so simple? I mean, really? I thought there was some secret to all of this. Hmm. Anyway, thank you so much for being here at Osher Ginsburg. If you want any more information about the show, that's where you can also let me know what you think about the show. You can tell me on Twitter or you can find me on Facebook or download the show on iTunes and subscribe on iTunes. Tell your mates how to do it. Show your friends how to do it. Get your mum. Maybe not this episode because we say the C word a lot. I'm sorry about that. Maybe next episode. Next week will be great. Uh, But I really, really... I'm so grateful that just just thousands of people listen to this show and I'm just sitting here with a microphone and a laptop and it's blowing my mind. So I'll make another show. I'll keep making them if you keep listening. It's Friday. I don't know where it is, day of the week it is where you are, but um, it's Friday night here in Venice Beach. I'm going to get on my bike. I'm going to go ride off and I'm going to go have some dinner because I like to ride my bike to dinner and then ride my bike home. I'm going to a wedding this weekend and there's going to be shotguns involved. Like actual shotguns. I'll tell you all about it next week. See you around. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.